Chapter Five of My Flirtations by Ella Hepworth Dixon. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Five. He was curiously pretty, incredibly malicious, and indisputably smart, with a nice house in Sloane Street where he entertained a great deal, and a little following of young gentlemen who copied his neckties and buttonholes, and whom one sometimes saw giggling together in corners and calling each other by pet names when one of them wanted to give val redmond a birthday present in that set the young men constantly make each other little presents he chose a silver vinaigrette which val took out with him to dinner all that season and yet the boy was very far from being a fool if he had lived in less degenerate days and had been obliged to work for his living he might have made a name for himself but as it was he only gave amusing parties while one was haunted by misgivings if one had to leave his drawing-room early with one's reputation behind when he gave dinners and sunday lunches at his house in sloane street his aunt lady marchmont presided to have had only men's parties would not have suited val he liked the society of women and particularly of old women but then his elderly female friends were invariably clever and some had had in addition an almost historical past dear julia calverley he would say of the dowager countess he had the most astounding way of talking of his elderly dames i love that woman it is as good as reading a scandalous memoire pour servir to talk to her julia is very faint a siècle admitted a pasty-looking youth of nineteen oh my dear end of the last century you mean smirked val one of the most amusing things about mr valentine redmond was his imperturbable coolness though hardly two-and-twenty he had none of the tremors the diffidences of youth i have seen him talk to an archbishop or a foreign potentate with the same ease with which he would tackle an undergraduate or take a young lady down to supper not that you would ever have caught val redmond wasting his acidulous sweetness on a young girl women under thirty seldom went to his house one of his least pleasing characteristics was a tendency to flout and pout he was constantly having little quarrels with his intimate friends his intimate friendships lasted on average exactly six weeks in other houses where they talk scandal it is usually about acquaintances but in val's drawing-room you generally heard his bosom friends deprived of their reputations this is a trait which makes society feel uneasy and to it one may perhaps attribute the brief duration of val's friendships ours for instance though it was never perfervid lasted but a brief two months the duchess of birmingham brought him to our house she was going to have her portrait painted and val was brought along to help to decide on her costume he knew a great deal about clothes his taste was charming his house as pretty as a house need be her grace was a stout little person from philadelphia who was at vast pains to acquire an english manner her chief desire as far as i could make out was to be painted in a coronet but mr redmond with his head on one side and his eyes half shut tabooed the idea of a diadem he was rather in favour of sables of dark velvets of heavy brocades father i remember was furious when he had gone does the young puppy think he knows more about it than i do confound his impudence why i have been painting portraits for twenty years and yet after all it was valentine's costume which was chosen and the duchess brought him again more than once to see the picture as it progressed father always liked to have me in the studio when he was painting so that every time he appeared we made a little more of each other's acquaintance 
i think i was rather rude to him than otherwise but he was the sort of person who disliked gush in women gushing was too much the prerogative of his boys who usually by the by were heard addressing each other as my dear sitting on the oaken staircase of the studio talking to val while the duchess's portrait went on below i learnt a number of surprising things about london society he told me of all the houses where a young man might permit himself to be seen where it would be to his advantage to do so and where it would be fatal absolutely fatal for him to appear i had the imprudence to lunch with the patterson tailors those new people in prince's gate and though of course a lunch doesn't count the same as a dinner i assure you it was weeks before i heard the last of it a young man can't be too careful where he goes val confided to me one day with a rueful air he had found me filling the bowls and vases with roses and had insisted on being allowed to help it was one of his talents that of arranging flowers he was sitting on the hall table swinging his feet and holding his head on one side as he twitched an amethyst-coloured orchid in front of the light there is the question of dancing too ah oh, not that screamed mr redman in his rather shrill voice as he plucked a huge poppy out of my hand you can't possibly put that in blue and white nankeen is only for roses what was i saying oh yes about balls isn't it absurd of people to expect one to dance everywhere some of us were at mrs vandeleur's ball the other night you know the woman i mean with a quantity of drab daughters and she actually had the effrontery to seize me by the elbow and ask me why i wasn't dancing the polka as if any one ever did anything but sup at the vandeleur's and as if she didn't know perfectly well that one only dances at the houses where one dines i resisted for a long time and then she had the shocking taste to remind me that she had seen me leading the cotillion at the duchess's with lady susan when she knows that lady susan is one of the most amusing persons in london she is the fin de siècle old maid i shall never forget our first dinner at his house in sloane street it was the oddest party there was something strange and unusual not only about the guests but the very dishes and the flowers the dining-room painted and decorated like that of a roman villa contained nothing but the table and one or two giant palms and pots of old faience the tablecloth was nearly covered with a mass of pink rose leaves with here and there a spray of roses thrown carelessly on to this pink carpet a huge lamp of oriental workmanship hung by gold chains lighted up the mass of rose colour and there were none of the usual fripperies of a lady's table but perhaps what struck one most on glancing round the room was the fact that all the men were boys though they appeared prematurely old and that all the ladies were elderly though they to be sure looked unnaturally young the glories of the past simpered the pale clean-shaven youth who had taken me in surveying the ladies with unabashed effrontery it reminds me of the ruins of the acropolis don't you know my neighbour got very confidential as the dinner progressed he gazed at me critically with tired eyes under lids which drooped a little at the corners do you know our host well no a pity he's so shockingly malicious gives charming dinners as far as the people go but i don't think much of his cook do you oh no i've only known him a fortnight he insisted on being introduced to me at the vandeleur's ball and i thought as he is a great friend of one of my dearest friends tommy singleton you know that he would be sure to be nice and i really do think he's charming 
he would take no denial. I've dined here already three times. We go everywhere together. Do you see that weird old person opposite? She says quite two deliciously amusing things. She is a great friend of the Prince of Wales's. Tommy Singleton seems in great form tonight. He is so very charming. I must introduce you to him, though I'm afraid, my dear Miss Winman, that you won't get on very well. Tommy is so dreadfully frightened of debutantes. Don't you think dear Lady Rougemont's new toupee is quite delicious? I do. But then I adore the meretricious and the artificial. That is Miss Van Hoyt, the American heiress. She always wears that miniature of an old gentleman with a hooked nose and powdered hair. She says it's her grandfather. But Tommy Singleton declares, and he had it from the Duchess, that Miss Van Hoyt's grandfather kept a small cheesemonger's shop in Ninth Avenue. How quite too weird a Lady Susan looks! But then she always has her gowns made from remnants bought at the summer sales. She must have said something dreadful improper to Val. He is laughing so. Look, he has got quite pink. I wonder what it is. I shall ask her directly. She loves to have the whole table listen to her stories, though really her stories are d'un raide. Lady Susan, you know, is not afraid of le mot qui choque. And of a truth, the ladies at Mr. Redmond's dinner-table denied themselves nothing in the way of speech. Nor when the cigarettes were handed round did they show the usual feminine reluctance to light up, though this may have been a protest on their part against the effeminacy of the age, for it was a remarkable fact at Mr. Valentine Redmond's parties that, though the elderly ladies invariably smoked, none of the young gentlemen indulged in nicotine. When the men rejoined us in the drawing-room, I found myself, to my surprise, the centre of a small group of attentive youths. One sat on a footstool at my feet, another hung over the back of the sofa, while a third reclined among the cushions at my elbow. And they all asked if they might come and call. Afterwards I heard that Mr. Redmond had passed the word that I was charming, a dictum which they always accepted without questioning. Val and his friends invariably worshipped in a little crowd. After that night, Mr. Valentine Redmond was pleased to indulge in one of his wild enthusiasms. He brought all his boys to see me, one by one, and insisted that they should admire me as much as he did, which was as tiresome for them, poor things, as for me. My photograph, framed in gold and turquoises, was for exactly five weeks a conspicuous object on his drawing-room table after which for a fortnight it stood on a cupboard in a dark corner and finally i hear disappeared altogether to the limbo where the rest of his departed enthusiasms languish but i am anticipating the catastrophe for six weeks at least val and i saw a good deal of each other at one of our big parties mr redmond and some of his young friends made quite a little sensation when they appeared they were all clean-shaven, and all had tired eyes, exaggerated buttonholes, and shoes of phenomenal luminosity. "'Gracious heavens!' whispered Christina, when she saw them all file in. They always went about in cab-fulls. "'What are they? Where did you find them? And what's to be done with them now they're here?' But Valentine Redmond and his friends never wanted amusing. They all had a passion for being introduced to other young men of their own age, and failing that, they gathered together in corners and smirked over their own little jokes. The chief amusement of these boys, I soon found out, was to go to music halls. 
they spoke of miss bessie bellwood with bated breath and would hear of no other comedians than mr arthur roberts and mr albert chevalier they had a positive infatuation for acrobats for those stout bespangled gentlemen who tie themselves into knots and balance themselves on each other's heads with a fixed smile to the accompaniment of a spirited waltz tune it was val redmond's delight to get two or three smart women to dinner with a corresponding number of boys and then to take the party on to the empire or to the pavilion why do you like tumblers and topical songs so much i asked val one day when i had refused for the fourth time a pleading invitation to make one of a party to the tivoli he shrugged his shoulders and looked rather annoyed culture is such a bore he said on a besoin de son canailler quelquefois this london ideal lasted i think nearly two months and then as london ideals will it came to a painless death its end was hastened by gossips and it was killed with a mot val redmond's ambition was to start a salon in sloane street but he has only succeeded so far in running a restaurant christina had said on one of her unamiable days someone of course told val the rupture left no sense of loss though good-looking clever and amusing val redmond's personality somehow left one cold it was an essentially thin nature had i ever had occasion to appeal to his help his sympathy i fancy i should have had a charming gushing little note to say that he was going out of town one had an uneasy feeling that his devotion was only meant for dinner-parties his little compliments were like his bonbons the accompaniments of the box he offered you at the play once a year or so we still go and dine with val the swinging lamp the spreading palms the wealth of hot-house flowers are always there but it is the rarest thing to find the same face our host renews his friends as often as the bouquets in his buttonhole End of chapter five